のうまくさまんだばざらだんせんだばころしやすわてうんたらたかんまんのうまくさまんだばざらだんせんだばころしやすわてうんたらたかんまんのうまくさまんだばざらだのうまくさまんだばざらだんのうまくさまんだばざらだんのうまくさまんだばざらだんかんのうまくさまんだばざらだんかんのうまくさまんだばざらだんかん Hello! My name is Yujiro Seki. I'm a director, writer, and a producer of the documentary Carving the Divine.、Uh, yes, finally, we are ready to release Carving the Divine.、Uh, but I thought it would be a really great idea to invite somebody who already watched Carving the Divine. So we have a super special guest today.、Uh, let's welcome、uh, Mr. William Reed.、Uh, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Yujiro. I appreciate your having me on again.、Uh, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Wonderful, wonderful. So, yes, I know everybody knows about you already, but you know, for the people who don't know anything about you,、uh, please introduce yourself. Okay. Well,、um, I was born in the United States, but I've spent most of my adult life in Japan.、Uh, I came to Japan to study Aikido and Shodo calligraphy. And I've been doing it for the better part of the last 50 years. So,、uh, so and then I guess we met,、um, must have been through social media.、Uh, and then I discovered your brilliant documentary. And、uh, you were very kindly asked me to do calligraphy for it. So、uh, that was really fun.、Mm. And so here I am uh, helping um, maybe to、uh, give people a little bit more perspective on what I got from. The thing, and I think you might have a few questions yourself. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. But you know, for the people who don't know anything about the Shodo,、uh, please tell us a little bit about Shodo first. Okay, well, Shodo is the way of the brush, and particularly referring to、uh, calligraphy, as you see on the wall behind me,、uh, rather than、uh, Sumi, a painting, although sometimes they're put, the two are done together. And when I was in high school, I became so interested in Zen.、And、this was back in the 60s. There were, there were a lot of,、um, there were entire bookshelves in the bookstores、uh, on Zen, just you know, dozens, hundreds of titles on Zen. And now most of those, even the bookstores are gone. <laughs> so you, you can find them online, of course. But、uh, one of the books that influenced me was this book called The First Zen Reader. And you can see it has the character for Mu or Nothingness on the front. So, I was kind of attracted to the cover. And then inside, there are these various short chapters. And one of them was on what you actually see when you paint strokes. Like, and they, they describe the difference between strong strokes and weak strokes, and, and what,、uh, how the mind,、uh, and the mind affects the body, and then the body affects the, the movement of the hand. And then you get,、uh, I didn't understand even how to read the characters at the time, but there was a little explanation about what. Made for strong and balanced strokes, and what made for weak strokes, and how、uh, the characters that you painted were actually a picture of your mental state.、And、I thought that was so cool because it was not just a picture that was a static,、um, you know,、uh, snapshot, but by practicing, you could actually improve it. So it was really a, as much a mirror for your mind. Then there was another author who influenced me a lot. His name was Paul Reps. And、uh, he wrote these more like ink paintings with English phrases. And、uh, it's, it's just a Zen telegrams, you know, just real short, simple ink sketches. And he had come、uh, to Japan and、uh, created these little books,、uh, which had,、um, here we go, well, silently overflowing, very short poems and these marvelous little ink sketches. 
So that also attracted me to the idea of the way of the brush. And I was determined to go to Japan to study Aikido, which of course I did. And at the same time, I picked up uh, uh, calligraphy lessons. And that was 1972, 50 years ago. Mm, nice explanation. So, uh, but you know, it, was there anything? I'm sure there are many exper uh, experience, yeah. but you know, uh, is there any struggle that you went through uh, when you <laughs> <laughs> all all of it is struggle even to, even now um, because your uh, the brush has a will of its own well all the materials the ink the paper uh, they're organic materials that that behave in a certain way and they do exactly what you tell them to which is usually uh, because your your mental image of what you're trying to paint is not very clear or you're not sure exactly where you're going with it or your mind is hesitant and so it will produce. A picture of what's in your mind, which might not be the the prettiest uh, thing that you you're trying to create. And then, of course, you have a tehon or a model, which is close to perfection, and you're trying to not just copy it, but to recreate the sense of presence in it. So that becomes your model. And but yes, it's always struggle, uh, always a struggle. And I did find. Um, I, I find hints all along the way. For example, we had a, a calligraphy exhibition in Ginza recently, and uh, there was an art professor from uh, Gakuge Daigaku who gave a little speech in a, uh, to our group. And um, he's an art professor, art history, art criticism, and so forth. But he said that art starts with seeing, and I guess Bushi, you know, the car carving the divine would be visual art as well. But it starts with seeing, and then that leads you to a feeling in your heart somehow, or in your body. And then from there, you move to reading. R reading means reading the, the, knowing the background of the, of the artist, or some, what's behind the composition, or uh, what's the symbolism mean. So you move from seeing to feeling to reading. Whereas in literature, it's the exact reverse. You start with reading, then you feel something from what you read and then you see the scene in your mind's eye which is why when people read the novel first and then go to see the movie they're almost always disappointed because it doesn't fit the image they had in their mind's eye and i thought well that's really interesting that art and literature were exact reverse in terms of how they approach feeling but he then said uh that calligraphy was both visual art and literature at the same time so you could you know you can read it and enter feeling and then learn to see it, or you can see it and then enter feeling, and it's there's no barrier, which I thought was a pretty remarkable statement. <laughs> wow. No, I didn't know that either. So I'm very yeah. impressed. So mm -hmm. yes, that's a good segment to uh, uh, talk about Calvin the Divine now. So you watched Calvin the Divine. So what was your first impression? Well, I had a lot of uh, first impressions, Yujiro. Um, I guess almost everyone will begin to feel the severity of it, the, dis the, the difficulty of the discipline and, and the challenge to stick with it. But uh, at the same time, um, as an artist, I kind of felt there was a similarity to, to Shodo and in many respects, because in both, in both cases, you're trying to bring organic matter to life. In the case of carving wood, you're taking um, a tree which was a living object and it's a block of wood and you're sculpting out what the non-essential pieces are and you're bringing forth this remarkable image of the divine with a, with a huge message and uh, and it's speaking to you in a human form. 
So that that would be there. But in calligraphy also, you're trying to, with the minimum number of lines, you're trying to create the vision of uh, of something that has meaning and also its own uh, sort of sculptural presence because there's a center line and there's balance and there's contrasts of, of large and small and wet and dry. And so I felt like um, they were similar in that respect. And also they're both similar in that they both emit silent power. There's no voice coming from it, except what you hear with your mind's voice, what you see with your mind's eye. And it's not shouting at you. In a sense, it's loud. Uh, there's, a, there's a Zen phrase, mokurai, which means silent thunder. And I think that really fits both <laughs> Buddhist sculpture and calligraphy. Silent thunder. It's so loud, but there's no noise. Wow. I don't know how to continue with that. But <laughs> <laughs> so well, go ahead. That's the other thing I was going to say is that it's interesting how the discipline and the, having a sensei uh, to keep you sort of on the path to have opportunities to grow or to give up. Sometimes they're quite severe, and they might just okay, yeah, I'm done. Uh, I can't do this. And they give you and they, and they're not, well, like the 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 phrase is. Um, you don't chase you don't chase after people if they leave and you don't run after them to bring them to you they come and if they stay they stay and over 50 years i have seen so many people in both aikido and calligraphy give up or get stuck and it isn't easy because you never graduate and you have to do it your whole life so yeah it's a it's a pretty big commitment Mm, that's interesting. No, of course. Uh, that made me want to ask uh, uh, this question then. So what? Mm. how was your experience uh, between you and your master? I'm sure you had a, your master, no? Uh, yeah, well, I've, I've had a number of masters. I still do uh, because over a long period of time, you go through various teachers. But in, in most cases, I'm with them for 30 years or, or, or longer. Uh, so it's not like just hopping around. But uh, the first thing is, I should say, it's different from a sport or a hobby. How is it different from a sport? Uh, well, for one, in sports, even though you might enjoy the sport your whole life, you're probably not going to be active at it. Even in professional sports, many people uh, become coaches, say they retire from professional sports after the age of 30, or maybe they get injuries. But in the martial arts and in calligraphy, of course, you continue your whole life. So you're not, you, you don't step, you might coach, you might teach, but you're also very active as a player the whole time. And it's also different from a hobby. Uh, one, one of my favorite words in Japanese is shumi, which um, is sometimes translated as hobby, but I think that's a bad translation. Literally, if you look at the characters, uh, omomuki and then ajiwao. So omomuki means um, the two parts of the character. One is to run and the others take hold of. So to run, take hold of, and then ajiwao is to taste. So you run after something, you grab hold of it and you taste it. So you're total engaged. It's not just a hobby oh, or a pastime. Oh, let's watch Netflix. Oh, let's, you know, uh, go take a hike. It's very, very different from that. And it transforms you in the process. So you, you become, uh, you grow through this. And part of it is seeing yourself in your work. It's like the mirror and you don't like what you see in the beginning. And you struggle to create something that, um, it's it's just it transcends you it's better than you were before 
and hopefully you step up to that. Hmm. Oh, my, my Aikido sensei used to quote, <laughs> this is interesting, uh, used to quote this proverb, uh, then he said that you don't um, make a Buddhist statue and then try to put the spirit in, it's too late. The spirit must be there first and then the statue emerges. And of course he was referring not to statues, but to the, uh, the, the, art, the waza that we're studying of Aikido. You don't make a form and then eh, try to add some energy or key to it. It's, the key is there first and that infuses it. And it's there not only before you begin, but it's there after you end. So that's called Zanshin. So the remaining mind. So it's there, there's energy there before the form exists. And that infuses your uh, imagination and enlivens your body and the creation of it. And then, of course, there's energy and the art that the the art piece that you create, and it stays. And uh, one of my um, uh, mentors is a Zen master in Yamanashi, said that uh, this energy in calligraphy can last for hundreds of years. So there are pieces from the Edo period that are still so lively. It's almost as if the painter the Zen master is still in the room and, and is respected that way. It's the first thing you do when you enter a tea ceremony room is you pay respects to the calligraphy, not to the calligraphy, but to the calligrapher who through the calligraphy is actually in the room with you. Wow. But there were other pieces that gradually fade. The energy gradually fades over time. And sometimes I know, so I'll do something and I, I may, it might look okay, like right away, but then after it dries or a couple of days later, it starts to bother me because it just didn't have it. Uh, and then there's others that actually get better over time or they, they wear well, um, even a year later, five, 10, 20 years later, it's still got something that I feel, you know, is, uh, that's, that was the energy of the spirit in the piece. I'm actually glad you talk about the energy. Let's talk about that. So I want to okay. show you my treasure. It is, this is kind of a surprise but for you, but I want to just wow. show you my treasure to see. Wow. I'm sure you've seen this before, but you know, have you seen this before? Ah. I don't you haven't seen this before. Well, it's, I only see on my screen just the top part of it. It's, there we go, yeah. Which means uh, Buddha, of course, and it's the first character of Buddhist sculpture. Yes, let's do that next one. Yeah. So. And the other one was a teacher, or well, literally Buddhist teacher, but it means yeah. Buddhist sculpture. Yeah, those are the original ones. Yep. That's yeah. right. So I wanted to tell you, when I received this, and you know, when I look at this, I feel the energy that you're talking about, which <laughs> is really difficult to uh, actually uh, feel it once we print it on something else. We don't really yeah, yeah, feel it yeah. anymore. So can you uh, explain to us a little bit? I, I know, you know, for viewers, it's a little bit of surprise. Suddenly we just see the choreography and the, they probably yeah, know yeah. what we're talking about. <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah, I asked yeah. you, I commissioned you to do the uh, uh, yes. choreography for Bushi character. Yeah. For the poster yeah. of carving the divine uh, Japanese yeah. version, uh, because right. carving the right. divine doesn't mean anything to Japanese people because it's an English right. title. So yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to actually show it to Japanese people, I wanted to have a different title, which would be bushi. So you, I yeah. Yeah. kind kind enough to do the calligraphy for me. 
So yes, let's talk about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, um, I, I do receive uh, calligraphy commissions from time to time, and I always feel um, like, wow, this is this huge challenge every time because I, it's not just about painting some characters that look nice or balanced or and and anyway, there's also no there's no model to paint from, right? So I have to go from scratch. I, it must please the patron, obviously, who's paying for it, and uh, and but it's beyond that. Because I think the patron is not just about self-satisfaction, but they want it to appeal to their audience and to carry the message that they're so passionate about it. You've been working on this for 10 years, right? Yes, yes. 10 well, years on this yeah, documentary, yeah. right? So I can't just say, oh, I'll just pan, you know, brush off something. And you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be up to the level that respects your investment of time. And and beyond that. I know there's other people going to be watching it, including the Buddhist sculptors themselves who are in the, you know, so it's like, oh my God, my audience is going to be pretty demanding. And then also the people who watch the, 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 uh, the documentary, and it's got to last over time. And probably ultimately, I should say, even before the divine itself, you know, the deities themselves, because it's speaking, it's speaking their name in a sense. And it's got to be something that, um, is uh respectful and filled with energy but also humble another i have to take myself out of it and here's the challenge because you want to make something dynamic and dramatic and i know we went back and forth a couple of times and you wanted something like really wow powerful impactful and i kept saying well the problem with that is if you do something that looks really dynamic it it's like fireworks it's you know goes up in the air and then it gradually loses energy so you want something that's more reserved but has internal strength and internal energy that will last over time. So in a way you want to put lots of energy in it, but you don't want to put yourself into it too much. And you want to, it's got to be reserved, but it has to have inner, inner um, fortitude and strength and spirit. And it's, it's quite a challenge, you know, to put all those elements together. And it usually, uh, even though it may only take uh, a couple of minutes to actually paint the one character, of course, you do many renditions, so it could be many days. And then finding the, the image that you want to try to achieve, and you've got two characters, how do you balance them? But then do you also have the poster nearby? Because uh, there was something I wanted to say about... I can insert the poster. Oh, you, okay. You, you never work if I just show the poster like this. Yeah, sure. That's too big. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't step back far enough to keep it on, get it on right, the screen. Right, right, right. But what, what really pleased me when uh, it arrived, and it was a surprise, I think you just uh, sent it to me. And then it had these two um, Buddhist uh, statues who were either holding icons or doing something, and they had their hands in some sort of a mudra shape. And however you design the poster, the the characters exactly fit the rim of the of the hands or the icons. It was like jigsaw puzzle. And of course, I didn't try to make that because I didn't even know that it was going to be on a, on a poster or, or I didn't know what the images would be. But something about the shape of the outline of the characters and the and the 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 uh, the frame that these two statues were making was a perfect fit. And I, I thought that, that's just amazing. <laughs> no, I, I'm very, very pleased with the result. But you know, that I was always curious. So you know, I asked you to do this like a little while ago, and uh, uh, basically yeah. it took us like a couple of months to actually 
draw. Yeah. So you know, yeah. Like, oh, well, he's gonna do it. Well, he's gonna do it. And yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> he was like, you were like, uh, you know, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. And I'm thinking about uh, mm, yeah, when yeah. he's gonna be ready. But so during the yeah, yeah. process, what what was going on? Because uh, you know, for beginner, somebody like us would think, uh, yeah. Just go ahead and do it, right? So, what's yeah, going yeah, on? Yeah, what's going yeah. on? <laughs> okay, great question. Um, part, I mean, some of it was just being busy, and I had, I actually had a couple of other commissions that I had um, had gotten first that were really demanding. One was uh, the the four panels of the tea room at the Asahi at the Asama Shrine in Kawaguchiko, hmm. and I'd been delaying on that. I just couldn't quite get the right inspiration, and I felt like oh, maybe I should do that first. And then I realized, no, I, that's going to take a, a full day. I got to go out there. And I actually did that later, but I put yours in line first. So some of it was just delayed because I had other commissions. Mm -hmm. But the other thing was that I, when I do something like that, I have to feel like I have not only the right materials, but the right image and everything's got to be aligned. And then I need to have a, a, a half a day or a full day with no distractions where I just do it. The actual painting itself might take just a couple of minutes, uh, although I would do a number of them. But getting everything aligned, well, it's like a performance of a, of a classical piece. You know, you practice for months and months and months, and then you perform for four minutes. You know, it's like it's done. But there's so much behind it, right? So those are um, some of the reasons why it took so long. But um, I also wanted to make sure that. Um, that it was read it was ready to give you to you right because what i didn't want to do was create something that was okay and then maybe you thought it was good but it could have been much better and i know whenever i send uh several examples to someone the i i always feel like ah, the client is going to choose one of them that might not be my first choice of course it is the client's choice but at the same time i know i can do better so I wanted I wanted to make sure whatever I sent you I I would be reasonably happy with as well. No, so it just took time to get all that stuff lined up. <laughs> no, no, I did. thank you so much for explaining to us because you know that the reason that I asked you is that I I already knew the answer because we talk about it, but you know, yeah. uh, the reason why that I ask you is because I want the viewer to know. The art is not simple like this. We can just, no. we can just make something no. up. Because often people say, hey, why did you take 10 years to put the documentary yeah. up there? You know, you should be able to do it in a couple of months. I was like, yeah. well, I couldn't do that if I want to just no. do a mediocre job and just right, right. give you anything. You know, right. which could happen like uh, most of the uh, materials out there, you know, people just go out there and shoot something and put something together. Yeah. So, you know, I just wanted yeah, the yeah. viewer to know that, you know, it's not like a, you are sipping the tea and, the, you know, oh, I don't want to do it, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> actually you are no, thinking no. about it, right? No, I think, uh... no, no, that's for, that's for sure. And, you know, I got interested also uh, in all the side stories. For example, uh, you know, Unke is, was in the Kamakura period was the probably most famous Buddhist sculptor, um, some of his work is absolute genius. You know, he's like Michelangelo of Japan, right? And but I'm also interested in calligraphy and samurai signatures. And uh, this is the signature of Unke. This is actually his name in a stylized. That's the character stylized and come blended together, and it's absolutely beautiful. Mm. 
And uh, so I was thinking, wow, this is just like a window on or a chance to communicate with people from other eras. Well, you said it was 1400 year tradition? Yes, yes. Sometimes people say 1300, 1500, but we don't know. Yeah, depends on how you count the start. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, I I also got uh, started thinking sculpture, sculpture, right? And then I'll be teaching Aikido and my student might have their arm like um, we want to extend the 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 outside line. We call this the little finger line or the outside line that's much stronger and it makes a curve which you see in like uh, Kabuki or or in Buddhist sculptures, uh, there, there's a particular curve and the student might maybe have their hand too straight or maybe it's bent the wrong way or there's no curve or the elbow's bent or it's just too stiff. And so I will literally take their hand and put it in this right position, which when you push on it is strong and stable and it's filled with energy. And I, and I, I, I do this a lot and they, then they can feel it because I put them I change, I make some slight adjustment in where their weight is distributed or how, where their arm, how high it is. And then I test it by uh, applying pressure. We call it a key test, which measures how much key is in their body. And it, it went, it feels like you're pushing on a tree when they got it right. They're so stable. And so I think I'm doing sculpture, right? I'm, I'm sculpting the, the human bodies through movement and then creating this result. So that was kind of interesting to kind of make those uh, comparisons. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can't fake it. There's, uh, you can make an imitation, but if it's just the shape, uh, the, uh, but there has no spirit in it, it it won't hold. It doesn't look right. And when you push on it, it falls over. And, and of course not having value, people are not going to protect it over centuries and it, it just won't last. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. Uh, and you'd say you went actually someplace to get some inspiration, right? You yes, get, you... yes, <laughs> I did. I went to um, Nara and then Hase Dera, uh, which was um, a, an amazing, uh, it's an amazing Buddhist temple. And you climb up, uh, as you do with many temples and shrines, you climb up a long series of, it's halfway up the mountain or even on top of the mountain. You climb up a long, long series of, of stairway and you finally get to the temple and then there's this enormous, um, uh, kind of stage which overlooks the entire valley and there, there's a pagoda off to the left but you also see the upper part maybe from the chest up of the kanon goddess of mercy statue standing deep inside but it's it's covered right and you're and you're probably on the third floor and you can actually go into the basement at which point you see just the feet i mean you see the you can look up but it's like it's it's enormous it's like three stories tall carved out of wood, absolutely overwhelming, gorgeous. You can imagine anyone that would go there and see this could easily convert to Buddhism, <laughs> you know, just, it's just overwhelming. And then they have this uh, uh, handmade uh, or yeah, washi paper. And so you place the paper on the feet. You say, you don't touch the feet directly. And you place your hands on the feet. The feet are enormous. They're like, um, I don't know, wider than my shoulders for sure. And the, the toes are the toes are almost big as my hand, and you place you can feel it through the paper because it's quite thin and it's quite cold because it's the temperature of the outside, and then you just get this feeling of power. You look up and you say, "Oh my God, <laughs> have mercy! <laughs> you know, have mercy! God is a mercy, right?" And um, so I w- I started to get interested in uh, Buddhist sculptures because they're always in uh, temples. And then there's another one. Um, 
at Edinji Temple in Yamanashi, which is where Takeda Shingen is buried. You started the show with uh, the uh, battle fan of Furin Kazan, you know, swift as the wind, still as the forest, uh, invasive as fire and immovable as the mountain. And so you had this, this that, that, that is where he's buried. And there's a statue of Fudo Myo, the, the, the divine uh, deity of immovability, holding the sword and all this iconic uh, material. Takeda Shingen sat as the model for that statue. He believed that he was incarnation of Fudo Myo, hence immovable as the mountain. And he used that battle fan to stop the sword of Ueshigi uh, Kenshin uh, <laughs> coming down on him. And he used that to as a, as a protection, right, from this sword. And uh, it's just amazing to you start, once you start learning a little bit about, and I've learned so much from your various uh, uh, supplementary videos that go with or introduce the um, the actual documentary itself, and it's just amazing um, to see these in, with new eyes. And the other thing is, uh, you know, I talked about how the the characters kind of fit perfectly in the hand gesture, and there was just something about it. Well, I've been I've been studying about uh, Fibonacci numbers. Are you familiar with those? No. There was a, an Italian mathematician who created this formula called the Fibonacci sequence. It's one plus one equals two, two plus one equals three, three plus two equals five, five plus three equals eight, and it just keeps adding the previous number. And it makes a sequence which when drawn geometrically makes a spiral like you see in a galaxy or like you see in a, a, a the shell of a, a shellfish uh, or flower patterns. And it's all through nature. Well, I've been uh looking at calligraphy in that way and there's even a, a little screen that fits on the on the iphone uh, an app so you can actually take the fibonacci spiral and apply it and so many characters just fit exactly in that spiral somewhere so i'm pretty sure that the buddhist statue also has that um that fibonacci universal numbers the golden ratio inside of it which creates this very pleasing sense of balance and permanence Mm, wonderful. So basically, uh, your shoulder uh, calligraphy, we cannot get it at the font.com, right? We cannot no, get no, it. No, no, fonts, fonts, <laughs> fonts were, were designed on calligraphy, but they're they're standardized. It's print, right? And, it's, and it wasn't done by hand. No, I'm very, very thrilled because this is completely original. And uh, yeah. it just uh, goes with the poster, which was actually... Uh, drawn by master who's doing a oh. uh, billboard uh, painting for like uh, mm. five, six, seven decades. They got, you know, and wow. He, wow. actually this uh, painting, uh, uh, painting of the poster was the last job he ever did. After that, really? he, yeah, he, he couldn't do, not do it anymore. Really? Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, that's well, it. It just fit like a glove. I mean, it was just so perfect. Uh, that That was amazing. And I, I think you wanted to ask me about what I learned from Carving the Divine from the documentary. Well, it's the same thing, the same kind of lessons as from Shodo, that the, your sakuhin or your work is your mirror. And, but it's not just your mirror, it's also a window into something beyond that, something greater, which you call the divine. So you're take and carving is taking away. So what do you take away to leave? What do you leave? What's the essential elements that you leave so that you're looking through not a mirror reflecting back but you're looking through a window 
showing something on the other side and it's looking back at you and that that is the essence of yourself. I guess that's what they're they're aiming for in uh, in Buddhist sculpture and certainly what we try to do in calligraphy as well. Wow, great. I learned so much from you today. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, yeah, if we, anybody who wants to learn more about the Shoto, what, what can we do? Well, I have a, a book that just came out this year. It's called um, Song of the Brush, Dance of the Ink, The Path to Self-Discovery Through Japanese Calligraphy. And uh, it's published by Morgan James Publishing from New York, and it, it was been out since May. So that um, that is one uh, one way to learn about calligraphy. It's actually my my second book. I did another one 30 years ago, uh, if you can imagine that. Um, and that was um, called uh, Shodo, the Art of Coordinating Mind, Body, and Brush. Uh, but that, that was 30 years ago. So uh, yeah, that's one thing. I also have a website, uh, samurai-walk.com. Walk is in walking, samurai-walk.com. And there's pages, uh, tabs related to calligraphy on that. Mm, wow. So what do you recommend? Which, which book we should start with? Oh, I would start with my most recent one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. So any, the, is there any final thought about the documentary or anything? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, one, one thing, uh, it goes back to the question you asked me at the beginning is what, what impressed me or what did I feel? Uh, and it was just wondering what is the dedication that drives the craftsmen and the people who study from the craftsmen under such severe conditions, getting yelled at, uh, you know, not very seldom getting complimented. Uh, and, and, you know, when things go well, it's just like mm, silent. And when they don't, it's just, ah, <laughs> and I've experienced this in martial arts as well. Uh, but what keeps you going? What keeps us going with no guarantee of success and no guarantee that you'll be able to make a living at it? And yet, if you don't keep going, you're not going to get there. So I guess you could call it faith or just some sense of mission. Um, I certainly feel it in what I've been doing, and I can recognize it as, as a kindred spirit in what, what they are doing and what you're doing. So I think it's something that artists need, and, uh, and it, not uh, getting there right away is not failing. <laughs> Giving up is failing, right? Mm, mm, Just yeah. need more effort and more insight and more instruction. You need to keep learning all the time, and, uh, and then over time, it will turn into something. So what would you say to those people who just want to quit right now, right this moment? Go, go, go get inspiration uh, and don't just assume that somebody just had the extra talent or they're a genius or they were lucky or they had money or whatever, because it, they went through, ask them what struggles they went through, because chances are they went through even harder struggles than you did, <laughs> but they just didn't give up. And they just keep going and find out what is their story. And, and you can find this, the backstory of many artists you can find even online. But if you're lucky enough to speak with them, definitely dig into that because nobody comes right out of the box. No work of art comes right out of the box, ready and done and perfect. No, no, absolutely. Uh, to be honest with you, I want to quit every day. Every <laughs> single day I want to quit. <laughs> 
<laughs> I choose not to, but you know, I'm very close but, sometimes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But something, something, or somebody won't let you. You know, right? <laughs> and benefit as a result. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the I I try to follow the Bushido code, which this one part of that is this calligraphy that behind me that I did is that Makoto means sincerity, and uh, it, this part is uh, means words. And this part means actions. So words become actions. Words match actions. Words are the the same as actions, which means it's authentic. So to be authentic, you must commit to what you to do what you say, and keep doing it. Uh, it's an ongoing process. There's no end to it. So I would say follow the Bushido code. Mm, do you think authenticity? Wow. Yeah. Great, great. Uh, do you think? Uh... Bushido code is uh, very similar to calligraphy code and uh, yeah and bushi bushido code <laughs> <laughs> bushido right 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 yeah so I'm gonna ask you a silly silly question but you know do you think people should watch Carving the Divine of course <laughs> of course uh, and and not necessarily uh, because they want they're thinking about becoming a sculptor or even uh, going to Japan or even becoming an artist. There's something in that documentary that has a message that it goes beyond just that. I mean, it's interesting and it's uh, it's like you learn a lot because it's not information that's otherwise readily available. And I would also recommend uh, subscribing to your YouTube channel and, and following all the various interesting interviews with all the different people who have these different perspectives on it because that kind of keeps the learning. Uh, you're sharing your learning journey with us. So uh, definitely watch the the YouTube interviews that go with it, uh, as well as the uh, Carving the Divine documentary itself. Master Reed, I'm ready to actually do the crowdfunding for Carving the Divine distribution, because if we don't raise, raise money, this is go not going to happen. So yeah. what do you think of it? Oh, absolutely. You, sh you should. I mean, I've already uh, donated, uh, made a donation towards it. And... Uh, uh, I, I see that you achieved your initial goal in for, what 48 hours. That's remarkable. <laughs> I kind of like to learn how you did that uh, so that I could do my own crowdfunding thing. But but I think it's really cool that you have different levels of contribution where you can see the the uh, the scenes that were cut. You can get the backstory, or as you go uh, deeper in your contribution, you can actually get a Buddhist sculpture, which is just incredible. Uh, and just different levels of um, of support, and that the idea that you have different goals, and that that this is going to go very far if you can achieve that. Uh, thank so you. So you're off to a great launch, and uh, and I wish you the best of success. And I'd love to share the message with people in my social media as well. Get as much support as we can. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So we can make it happen. So thank yes. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> 